0: I recognize as followers of Jesus Christ that we do not believe that our problems all go away. We do not believe that our pain all goes away. I think that when Jesus walked in this world, there were many people that were confused. I think many of them were wondering why He didn't do this or why He did do that And among the thousands of people that were able to observe Jesus Christ, it's my personal opinion from my study in the Gospels that the most confused group was likely the closest ones to him. I think that the disciples were ones that oftentimes would scratch their head. Now, they were close to him, so they saw the miracles. Some of them were wonderfully able to um, just have have God present some information to them that they could repeat back. And Jesus would say, it's not you that knows this. God has revealed this to you. But with all that said, I think there were times when they were so confused. And I understand that. I understand because I've given my life to Jesus Christ. It does not mean that there will not be times of darkness. And they oftentimes heard Jesus say these words. My time has not yet come. But then there was a day that was different. There was a day that I have to believe that group of 12 and the women that were with him following, where they were looking on and they said, now this is more like it. Palm Sunday, the day when they would not only call Jesus a prophet and not only a healer and not only a teacher, but they would call Jesus king. That's what we've been looking for. We knew this day was coming. They must have said to each other. And what we'll see in God's word today is that God's ways are not man's ways. And wonderfully, God's ways are always better than what you and I could come up with. Would you turn with me to John chapter 12 in your Bible? We made a change in the reference there from the bulletin. Turn to John chapter 12. And as we look at God's ways not being man's ways, I think this is going to apply so well to us today, this familiar story that the children were already encouraged with, Christ riding in towards Jerusalem on a donkey. What I see first in this passage that I think applied to the Jewish people, and you and I as well, Is that you and I need to set our expectations for what God can do. There's an expectation among the people at this point. They are expecting something. And of course, their expectations of Jesus Christ, um, they were singing His praises. But it's my contention, and we'll see in the Scriptures, their expectations were not high enough. In this celebration day, when Christ rides in and they're shouting, Hosanna and they call him king, I want us to learn today what that word Hosanna means. Some might venture a guess, but if you break that word down, what it actually means is save now. We cannot fault the Jewish people for shouting out, Hosanna, save now. We need a redeemer, and we need to not um, underestimate the oppression. What do they want to be saved from? Well, they wanted to be saved from the, the Roman uh, leaders that were oppressing them. There was a Roman occupation of Israel. And they made their lives miserable. And anybody could be arrested or even killed just about at any time. The Israelites were drowning in taxes. I have to believe that some of them, when they said, save now, they thought, lower my taxes. Can we, can we have an ease on these taxes? You and I can relate to that, right? Save now. But their expectations were not high enough. Look at verses 12 and 13 of John 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, or save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. We cannot argue that Israel's situation was dire. But Jesus did not have in mind a military rescue. I think even some of the disciples thought this was going to be the case. I halfway think that some of them, when they were followers of Christ and they were watching Him, probably some of them started to maybe to do some, some exercises, maybe some push-ups. Maybe they started to hone up with a sword if they had opportunity to because they thought this is going to be our deliverer. He's going to deliver us from Rome. And the taxes and the oppression from Rome were terrible. But that wasn't high enough. We have a, a wonderful volunteer here at the church who for, for quite a few years ran our children's Christmas program. And um, it kind of became a little joke as years went by, because this person, uh, well, her name is Rose, and Rose would run our Christmas program. And usually about three weeks before, and then one week before the Christmas program, Rose would come, and she'd knock on my door, and here's what she'd say. Two words. I knew the two words. After the first year, I always knew what Rose was going to say. She'd come in, looking up to this, and her, her head was spinning with the organization and the creativity that she's very good at. And she'd come up, and she'd say two words to me. She'd say, Pastor, low expectations, just like that, (laughs) low expectations. Now, the kids program was always wonderful, and everybody smiled and loved seeing their children up here. It was always a blessing. And so why is it that multiple times she would come up and say, low expectations? It's because she didn't want me or anybody out there to be disappointed keep the expectations low and then if if it you know if it if it goes okay then it's going to be great you and i have a habit of setting low expectations for our god maybe if i've seen it before then i will pray for that or expect it i understand your limitations but our god has no limitations And so these people, as Jesus was coming in, they just wanted deliverance from Rome and from the oppression and from the misery of their life and someone to come in and be a religious leader for Israel. And their expectations were too low. Rejoice because someone greater than all the prophets is coming to Jerusalem. But let me ask this question on a day like today when the kids are shouting, Hosanna! And we encourage you to sing out and rejoice. When Jesus was on that donkey and he was heading toward Jerusalem, was it true that everyone rejoiced when he was coming? No. Jesus had enemies. There were some that were not in line with what God wants for mankind. And so they did not rejoice. In fact, they started to plot his death. And that's the next thing that I see in our text here. That's that you and I need to learn both the positive and the negative side of fear. When we come across this phrase, fear not, if you've been through the whole Bible, and I challenge everybody to read through the entire Bible at least one time, this is the command that we find in the Bible more than any other command. Fear not And yet, there is a proper place for fear. We need to learn that. Look at verses 12, or I'm sorry, 14, and then the first part of 15. John is going to quote from Zechariah, verse 14 of John 12. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. That fear not, we're familiar with, and maybe when you think of that Bible line, you might have an angel in the story that was saying that. And of course, who wouldn't be afraid of an angel, right? I mean, you you might think you would not, but yeah, you'd be falling on your face if an angel appeared before you today. And so fear not. And yet there is a proper place for fear. Don't think of fear as the idea that we're to be cowering and, and afraid, the idea is to have a healthy respect for. I've been doing some home improvement at my house. Uh, we were doing some painting. And so in the work that I was doing, I had a light fixture up top that I had to screw and loosen up so that I could paint around and then put it back in place. Well, I was up on a ladder um, recently. And I as I was there, Tina was with me. And I was taking a screwdriver and it was, it was a pretty high reach. So I was reaching pretty far, and I couldn't quite see where I was sticking that screwdriver towards the light, and, um, but I did. I, I, didn't, I didn't hurt myself. It's okay. But there were two screws that I, had, that I had to get, and I can remember as I was going up, and one of them was kind of covered up by a little piece there, I can remember what question came to my mind that I asked Tina. I asked Tina, have you ever been electrocuted just like that? <laughs> And here was her answer. She said, I, I don't think so, is what she said. <laughs> and so I automatically said, no, if you had been electrocuted before, you would know. How many of you know for sure that you've had some electricity run through your body? Okay, there's no question about it. If you've had that happen to you, you do not forget it. I can remember being in college and I was working on a light in a bathroom that wasn't probably up to code, and as I was working on it, I had a jolt go through my body. I will probably never forget that time that power went through my body. Now, am I going to say, no more light fixtures in this place, this is ridiculous? Well, of course not. It comes down to having a healthy respect, or if I can, a healthy fear of where the power is. You see, there were some people who should have been afraid that day. Enemies of the Savior who were not on the side of God. And so when we come to our God and when we shout Hosanna and when we hear the command fear not, we understand that he has something that is so wonderful. And even for his children, we don't walk in fear of him unless we get out of his path for our life. You should thank God for one who will not let you venture off to do your own thing apart from his will. A loving father will correct, will rebuke his children and he will not let us get far. He'll punish us. And so you should be afraid of getting far from him. To be sure you're on the right side. Fear is going to be around. Punishment is going to be around. Make sure you're on the right side. Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, who can be against us? That speaks of His power. You better be sure you're on the right side when it comes to that power. Our, Our responsibility is to pray daily. Here's a wonderful sample prayer for you to use. God, help me to do this day Only what you would have me to do. Just whisper that before you walk out the door. God, help me to do this day only what you would have me to do. And so as we walk close with him, we're encouraged to have high expectations. And when that happens, then you and I get to stand back and in awe see the creativity of God. If you have an opportunity just to look around in nature sometime, just stop. Stop and look. Last night, the clouds that were in the western sky when the sun was hitting them at the right time was beautiful. My daughter came and met me at the door and she said, have you seen the sky out there? The creativity of a God who made this world is the exact same creativity that, wants, that, he, that he wants to use in your life. He wants for amazing things to happen. Set the expectation high. Be on his side and then stand back and do not be afraid. That's the final thing I see here. Don't be afraid of the unexpected. Lots of us, we don't care for the unexpected. That's not my routine. I've never seen that before. This is freaking me out. Some people do not like to be surprised. Look at verse 15, in John 12. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. I want to help emphasize my point that we need to not be afraid of the unexpected by going back to the prophet that John was quoting. I'm going to read Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Listen for the word. I'm going to, I'm going to set this up. Hopefully you're going to knock it out of the park. Listen for the word that Zechariah says that we don't find in John. That is unexpected. With a king that is entering, and there's a celebration parade going on, which word does not belong? Listen Listen to it carefully. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. We do not typically associate king with humble, this is unexpected. And of course, we celebrate the king. And they would shout his praises, but very, very soon, those palm branches would be exchanged for thorns. And even his disciples would leave and run from him. No one would expect humility to describe the king's entrance. And as you and I are walking towards this idea of not being afraid of the unexpected, let me give you two areas to apply for ourselves, two kinds of wisdom. And several of you already have both of these. Some of you have one or working on the other. Two kinds of wisdom. One is the wisdom of experience. If you've been around for a while, some of you have that gray hair. Some of you don't have any hair. Uh, If you've been around for a while, you've seen things. And someone might come to you and ask a question. And you can say, you know what? I've seen it a dozen times before. I know what's going to happen here. And you can just share your wisdom with a young person. There's another kind of wisdom that I want us to focus on and that is talking about, that goes to our point of not being afraid of the unexpected and that's the wisdom of walking by faith. There is a little bit of benefit to us being able to accomplish something totally on our own. A little. But when we work and then give God the place where he has to be involved, that's where the major reward comes in. That's where God, in His incredible creativity, comes shining through. I do not know how it will happen, but I do know the God of the impossible. And so let's pray for it. Let's ask Him. Let's do everything that we possibly can do on our own, and then let's say, God, be involved. I pray that most Sunday mornings before we come to church. I've I've studied and I've prepared but if the holy spirit is not involved in the receiving of this message it will fall so much shorter than what god can make it walking by faith not knowing how it will happen but knowing the one who can make it happen maybe it'll become a song someday in 1984 Uh, Frank Garlock wrote these words in a song that oftentimes pops into my mind. I don't know how God hangs the world on nothing or how He keeps the planets each in place. I cannot count the sands upon the seashore nor can I count the stars that float in space. But God can do what seems impossible. God controls eternity My mind can never comprehend it, but God in heaven cares for me. You see, everything was impossible until God finally made it happen. God does not know how to fail. And God allows you and I to walk close by him, to expect a lot of him, and then to see the beauty of his work and his creativity in you. We produce the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Do not be afraid to step out there. God specializes in the unexpected. And so Jesus' followers, that group that was around, that finally got a chance to say, yeah, finally, he is king. Let's celebrate. Look at those kids waving the palm branches. Me too. And within a very short time, their confusion would be greater than ever because they would arrest Jesus. He'd be crucified. We celebrate that this coming Friday. And you and I celebrate next Sunday an empty tomb. Impossible to come back from the dead, exactly. You have a God of the impossible. It was impossible 2,000 years ago And he wants to accomplish what we might think is impossible today. Let's pray. Oh, all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-loving God, we praise you that we can get an image of Jesus Christ in our mind, riding into Jerusalem Even some of us can just take that low-hanging fruit and be glad that they sang that day for him. That song would not last very long. And yet when he conquered death and conquered sin, the song that would be given to those who will know him as Savior will last for eternity. And so we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the work that he did. God, I don't I don't want to have a small faith. I don't want to have a black and white world without the colorful, creative fruit that you can bring. Would you challenge us, challenge our hearts? Allow us to see that we were not created just to survive. We were created to thrive. While well, we have our heads bowed, I'm gonna ask the piano to play through and I, I wanna invite you to pray. Maybe you'd, ask, maybe you'd pray, God, increase my faith. Maybe you'd pray, God, give me faith. Maybe you're not confident you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. God died for your sins. You don't have to die and be separated from ever in a place called hell. You can ask him to save you even in this moment. God, forgive me a sinner based on what Jesus did on the cross. Make me your child.